Hey everyone, do you love movies? Do you like betting? If you do, then Box Office Bets is the podcast for you. With Tom Cunningham and myself, Brian Ortega, we'll guide you through Oscar season with our breakdown of each Oscar contender and give you our projections based on what the betting market is saying about each Oscar race. Make sure to check us out every week as we focus on a specific movie and break down its best chances to win right here on Box Office Bets. You think we need one more? You think we need one more? All right, we'll get one more. My heart is crying, crying. Vegas, baby, Vegas! But here, I'm Mr. Rothstein. I'm not only legitimate, but running a casino. And that's like selling people dreams for cash. Hey everybody, that was Lonely Teardrops by Michael McDonald, a remake for the movie that we're going to be talking about today, Leaving Las Vegas, which I know is on the list of my co-host or guest, whichever one you want to call him today, is Ryan Hunter, back on the pod. Hey Ryan. (laughs) Good to be back, brother. How are you? I'm very good. So I wanted to put something from your one of your favorite movies in the opening, because I did one of my favorite movies there, but a little depressing, the movie, but (laughs) what a fantastic song just to contrast the movie that we're going to talk about today. Beautiful song. Beautiful song. It's great. So uh, today's pod is kind of a palate cleanser after the new year. We're going to be going over some of our favorite Vegas movies, which I know is a very uh, very long list for some, mm. but we're going to be picking some of our favorites. They're not in any particular order today, although I'll tell you which one is actually my favorite as we go through, but I'm really excited to get into this with Ryan because Ryan has such a knowledge of the city of Las Vegas, and I think it's going to be a really good conversation with Ryan today. All right. Well, I'm uh, I'm happy to jump into this, man, and uh, very happy to be back. All right. Thank you, Ryan, again for coming back today. So, all right. So, Ryan, let's go with one of your one of your favorites. Um, actually, before we get into the list, what do you think makes a good Vegas movie? Ooh, what a good question. Um, it really depends on the tone that you're trying to set of Vegas. I think is it happy Vegas? Is it sad Vegas? Is it drunken Vegas? Is it is it uh, what's what's the one? Vegas? Yeah, I'm thinking of the one with the, the Hangover. Oh yeah, just like, the debauchery it, of Vegas. It, it, it Vegas is whatever you want to paint it in a film. That's right. Just like it is in real life, it's whatever you want it to be for the weekend. So I I think it depends movie to movie. I don't think yeah. that uh, you can really say this is what makes a good Vegas movie because it can be all kinds of different things. That's true. Yeah, because I think the Hangover Vegas was very um, not atypical, but I think at the peak. Mid two thousands, Las Vegas. Mm. It was right. It came out in two thousand eight, sort of right before, kind of during the uh, Great Recession, which when there's all this wealth in the mid two thousands, and then it just sort of gave out. So okay. I think it just sort of came out at the correct time. And um, obviously, they came back here in two thousand and the uh, third one, but wasn't the same. But no. no, I think tone is the biggest thing, and I think everything from you know the nineties to the two thousands. Um, really sort of shaped what I thought Vegas was Mm. as it's going to be reflected in our list um, coming up soon. So, yeah, I think the tone is super important because it can be, you know, very dark. It can be very, you know, lighthearted. I really like looking or sort of examining the darker side of Vegas. Yeah, me too. In contrast to the sort of uh, neon front front and center Vegas that Mm. that we see. So I think it's cool if you can get a, a movie that does both where it shows you this is what people think of Vegas and then just sort of slips into sort of, toward the um, the behind the scenes stuff that goes on. So I like that. I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah, this is like concierge confidential. It's like, oh, we're, we got the happy face up front, but there is <laughs> shit you don't know about that goes on in the back. 
Yes, we talk about every single guest that we have in town. Okay. So, okay, so here we go. So we're going to start with Ryan's side. So, Ryan, uh, give us one of your favorite movies on the list. All right. Well, I have three, and I'm just going to start with, um, and again, no certain order. I wrote down three that, that stand out. And I'm going to first go with Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yes. Yeah, so Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, for those that don't know, uh, uh, it's um, a Johnny Depp film. It and is. And then, what's the other guy's name in it? Benicio Del Toro. Benicio Del Toro. I have to say, I've only watched half of this movie because okay. I couldn't get through all of it. But Why? I, Why? It's, it's so, it was, so it was really hard. So I actually did a double feature. So I actually said one day when I was a tour guide, I'm going to watch every Vegas movie ever made. Okay. Which is actually more impossible than you think because there's actually more than the few that, there's that a I ton. thought there was. So I wanted to start with you know things that had Las Vegas in it. So Fear and Loathing. Leaving Las Vegas. I watched Leaving Las Vegas first. I bought these at Target when okay. you, had to, when you <laughs> yeah. needed D, like a DVD like to watch. Yeah. So I bought Leaving Las Vegas and Fear and Loathing. I, I went with Fear and Loathing. I went with Leaving Las Vegas first, which re, re, really got it started yeah. for sure. But then I watched Fear and Loathing. I couldn't do it. It was just too out there. And I think, I think it's actually a tough watch if you haven't done some of the things that are done in the film. But you know, you could do it. But I think you appreciate it more. Just like anything else. So why do you like that movie, Ryan? Well, a, a lot of reasons. Uh, first of all, Hunter S. Thompson, the man who wrote Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, kind of a, a hero of mine. Um, my my day job, I'm not a journalist, but I work in journalism. Yeah. And and here's a, a certified crazy person who invented gonzo journalism. Yeah. He made the story about him. It wasn't about what he was covering. It was about his experience covering which the story. He, which what he was known for. He was yeah. known for going in sort of, uh, not undercover, but doing these type of things. He wrote with the Hells Angels. He did. He wrote about them for uh, it's uh, Rolling Stone, correct? He did. He wrote for Rolling Stone. Yeah. Um, but what, and I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. I've, I've done a lot of stupid things in my life. Um, sober today, proud to say that, but... This film, in a very campy, happy way, in some some sort of direction, uh, perfectly captured the feeling of doing a lot of the drugs that they did in the film. And I, I also think it's one of the best adaptions of a book to a movie that I've ever really seen. And, and going back to that gonzo journalism thing, it's not really about Vegas. It's not really about the Mint 400. It's about two troubled people, an insane drugged-out lawyer and a drugged-out journalist going to Vegas for a week, high out of their minds in the early 70s, and what is Vegas at that time? How does Vegas look when you're trying to walk through Circus Circus on acid? Yeah. I got yeah. to that part, and that's where I, that's where I was gone. It, it, it's, it's a beautiful film. It's yeah. worth watching, and always just... Just say no, kids. Don't 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 do the drugs <laughs> no that kid, they do in no in the kid. film. But um, no, but yeah. that that movie really is sort of in an interesting time time of Las Vegas the, in 1998. Because really, as we know, most of the 90s was very much family oriented. Las Vegas. Think yeah. Vegas Vacation is a perfect example of what Vegas wanted to portray itself in the 90s. Yeah. And then it just it just didn't work. Obviously, um, we still have kid things today, but really, it's not on the strip. It's very much in in the surrounding areas. But I think, yeah, this movie came out in a time where Vegas was really sort of maybe getting out of that or just yeah. sort of self-aware that it's it's not going to happen. And just such a weird sort of time. It's 1998. I thought this movie was 94, 95. This is a much later film than I thought. Yeah, yeah. it was pretty late. It, it's just, it, it's wild and wacky. And it was a reminder of just how quickly Vegas can become something else between 1971 and 1998. Completely unrecognizable. Definitely. Different city, different experience. Fear and Loathing couldn't happen today. It couldn't have happened in 98. Yeah. But 
my God, did they do a good job of adapting that book. And it's it's very much worth reading. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Hunter S. Thompson, really well-known journalist for uh, Rolling Stone and, and really sort of put himself in a lot of the things that we're talking about. So... So we'll go one and one. So we'll go with yours, and then I'll go with uh, one of mine. So okay. a lot of movies about Las Vegas, obviously. Um, I actually uh, tried to narrow it down. Uh, by the way, both of us do not have Casino in our list, just because we're going to have a whole sec- a little section talking about that movie. All right. Uh, the good and the bad, obviously. But I think Casino is a good movie. It uh, is. But it is. It, it's, it's flawed somewhat. And sort of over time, it's become sort of the stereotypical film of Las Vegas. It's yeah. It's like, oh, we're kind of over that time. So, so one of my movies, um, I did want to bring this up just because I don't think it's one of the three best movies of Las Vegas, but I think it's one of the most interesting movies. It, it it's passes into the so bad it's good, and we're going to talk about Showgirls. So Showgirls, Showgirls is definitely on my list um, before people start getting at me. Um, Showgirls actually could have been a really good movie. It's a really good examination of somebody who comes to Vegas. It's very, very common for people to be transient moving to Vegas on their way to L.A. or from L.A. Mm-hmm. and sort of like a limbo area, limbo area, uh, uh, limbo city, sorry. Um, and that's what the main character in uh, Showgirls is. I forgot her name. Though. Elizabeth Berkeley. Elizabeth Berkeley. Is in, and yeah. also kind of funny movie for her. She was coming out of um, that, that one Saved show. Saved by the Bell. Saved by the Bell, trying to be a serious actress. And then it just kind of didn't happen. Um, yeah, it didn't quite work. I haven't heard about her in a long time. No, no. But the reason I like this movie is because it really does a really good job of explaining what it's like working in the industry and trying to make it, but really just it shows the sort of tortured side of what Las Vegas can do to people, especially if you come into contact with the wrong mm-hmm. people, trying to make it in the entertainment industry, how it can be you know, very competitive, especially amongst women in this town, mm-hmm. because... You know, face facts is that this is a town where a lot of men come to party. A lot of, you know, executives are here. There, a lot mm-hmm. of them are men. And usually if you get too old and you don't look as good, they move you out. And that's all what this movie is kind of about is just sort of where's your hierarchy and you're trying to make it. And I just think it's a really interesting film to, uh, to highlight. And it has great uh, landmarks in it. I think it has it great landmarks of the <clears throat> 90s for sure. Um, and we were, we we're going to talk about some of our favorite landmarks from movies that may still be here or not here. I think one of them is, do you mind me uh, jumping up on this? No, one? go yeah. for it. Uh, so we'll talk about these in two in two times, but the pepper mill. Yeah. The pepper mill makes uh, a cameo in the very early part of the film it from does. the outside. And from the outside, you can see the Westward Ho. Yeah. You can see, what was the hotel next to Westward Ho? It was, um, I don't, I forget it. Uh, La, it was La Concha? On La Concha, that, that yeah. yeah. And the, uh, the, the lobby building from La Concha survives, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, tell them where. It is the, uh, it's the check-in lobby for the Neon Museum now. Yeah, really cool. I like yeah. that they kept it. And then you can all see the Stardust in that movie. That's kind of when the Stardust was sort of on the back end of being, like, the shit. Like, yeah. it, was, it was a lot of the new, a lot of the newer uh, hotels were being built at that time. But I think this was, like, its last stand. And I think this is the last time that the Stardust was like the star of something. But um, what are your feelings on on Showgirls and sort of how it depicts like the the industry and all? Oh that? Oh my God, like, such a such yeah. a gritty industry. I think it did a good job of letting people know that there is no glamour in being a stripper right. in Las Vegas. Yeah. And and hey, to to all the girls out there that may hear this that do that as a job, much respect. I could never ever 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 do what you do. Yeah. And they deserve every single cent that they get. But um, it's definitely not a uh, a super positive industry. There's a lot no. of drugs. There's a lot of violence. There's a lot of 
like I, I, it almost touches on like human trafficking and yeah. things like there's prostitution and, and all of these mm-hmm. things get lumped in with that. And I'm not saying that the girls do that today. They may, they may not. I don't know. Right. But um, you come out of that movie feeling like, damn, is that what these girls go through every yeah, day? Exactly. Like, what was the story behind the girl that gave me my lap dance at my bachelor party? Yeah. You're never asking in the moment. No. And even if you do, they're not going to tell you the truth. They're all, you know, they're all in school to be a doctor or a nurse or whatever. But, um, a lot of doctors and neurosurgeons in the, in the strip game. I think, um, if anything, it humanizes the girls. Yeah. And that's something that most patrons of a strip club probably don't actually do. Exactly. Yeah. And they should. Yeah. Cause like when I think, so like when I would, would go, I don't go as often as, I might have used to in my youth, but it's always like when you go, it feels like a negotiation. It always feels like you're buying a car and like, why are these women so money oriented? But when you come to the fact that like, this is their job and that why do they act this way? Why are they so, you know, mean, not mean spirited, but just tough. Aggressive maybe? Yeah, maybe aggressive or tough. And then you, you watch this movie and you see how people treat them in that industry and it's like, oh, God, like this is something that you never thought of before. Yeah, it, it's like I said, it's an ugly industry as far as I'm concerned. And I, I've worked in that industry a very little tiny bit. was an announcer in the yeah. strip club for, for a short time and a DJ. Um, a lot of sad stories. Yeah. A lot of genuine single moms that are just trying to make it. And then think about the fact that like, if you walked into the career that you have outside of this and you knew that there was an end date, like, hey, as soon as I start getting wrinkles, as soon as, as, yeah. soon as the girls start looking a little saggy, it's over. Exactly. Yeah. You have, you know, a very short window of time. There's one strip club here in town that literally advertises every year around graduation. Like, hey, <laughs> class of 2012 is whatever is is yeah. going to be on stage tonight. Right. It's disgusting. It is. It, it's kind of disgusting so when funny, you think about it's, it. It's, it's not but good. that's it's it's part of Vegas, and you can't take it away. Um, and Showgirls really highlights that. Yeah, it just it's a it's a very sex filled movie for those who've never seen it. It's 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 I think it's uh, not ra- it's a uh, it was it NC seventeen or something. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But the other parts of it is just like the business side of the entertainment industry in Las Vegas, which they had a showgirl show, which is kind of funny, like a time capsule. Could you imagine them trying to make a showgirl show now? <laughs> it was just like so, it was just so out there. But um, yeah, I actually went to go see a showgirl show one time. No. Uh, I went to go see Jubilee. Okay. I did see Jubilee with without the tops on. All right. So, so And then that's when I knew I was an adult because we were supposed to go see a different show with me and my parents. Yeah. And then we went to go see, then we like last minute change, we saw Jubilee. And I was like, oh, so this is happening now. Was like, it at the Trop? Uh, so not the Trop. It was at uh, Bally's. So it was okay. at Bally's. But they did have a Foley's Brigier at the Tropicana. Yeah, the that's the one time. I'm thinking of. Yeah, but um, yeah, that was like, oh, so we're doing this. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm an adult. I, I'm my an God, adult I can't imagine sitting through a topless show with my parents. It was, it was, a, it was, it was hilarious. All right, well. And then I know my mom's going to listen to this and she's going to laugh. But hi, Mom. Right. Yeah. Hi, Mrs. Ortega. <laughs> Hello. So, yeah, so that was, that was Showgirls. That was my choice. Kind of, I, I wanted a hot take choice because Damn, you that's, had a couple hot choices. That's, that's definitely a hot yeah. take, brother. So, go ahead. So, you go ahead with your number, uh, number two. Or All whatever, right. Your, whatever um, order, this yeah. is another one that no one's going to remember. Kind of a forgotten film, but one of my favorites is Honeymoon in Vegas. Yep, Honeymoon in Vegas, Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage, the greatest actor in the history of film. Put that on record. That's my quote. Got it. Uh, and, and huge stars other than Nicolas Cage in that film. James Kahn was in there. He did an amazing job. Sarah Jessica Parker really shined through yeah, in that did. movie. I, I loved this movie. Mm-hmm. 
And it was just a, a happy, feel-good movie that showcased the fun and happy era of early 90s Vegas. Yeah, super random-like movie in general. But totally yeah. random. Flying Elvi. You know they were real? There's you could, yeah. I, I think the Flying Elvi still exists. There's um, a guy who produces shows here in town named Dick Feeney. He's put together a bunch of shows, like the Rat Pack is back. I believe he still owns the Flying Elvi. Oh, that's funny. And uh, a couple of years ago, I was actually in his warehouse, and I saw all the uniforms for the Flying Elvi. Oh, Jesus. Like, oh, my God, they're real. <laughs> like, if, if I ever hit Megabucks, yeah. I'm hiring them for my birthday. One of my favorite little nuggets from that movie, too, is there's uh, Elvis impersonators all over the place. Yeah. And in one scene, it's very easily recognized, there's this tiny little yes. child Elvis, and he maybe five, six years old, just killing it as Elvis, and that was Bruno Mars. Yeah, that's the best like little nugget, isn't it? Yeah, it's like yeah. just adorable. It's worth looking up on YouTube. It's worth watching the whole movie, and um, for those who haven't seen it, even though it's thirty some years ago now, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil the ending, but a very happy, feel good, fun. Vegas movie with um, with some big stars in it for sure. Yeah, was that um, was th was it Bally's or was it MGM Grand at that Bally's. point? It was Bally's. Right? Yeah, it was Bally's. Yeah. The whole thing shot in Bally's, pretty much. Yeah, for sure. um, the the big grand finale is also at Bally's, yeah. and um, one of the cool things about that mentioned the flying Elvi is as the flying Elvi are flying into Vegas for the the uh, the big grand finale in the film, you're getting all this beautiful aerial shots yeah. of Las Vegas in 1991 or 92. Before everything went nuts. So you, yeah. you're watching this movie and you see these aerials and there's this big dark spot like, wait, what's, oh, city center's there. And like Excalibur's pretty much brand new. And yeah. there's all this cool stuff that just, you'll never get a chance to see again. So for if, if for nothing else, just those aerial shots of Las Vegas, sure. I'm, I'm putting that in my top three. Nice. So, sorry, that was a break. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. 18 minutes. Okay, so, okay, so, I'm actually going to talk about a movie that is probably like on sort of on both of our lists. Okay. So uh, let's talk about The Hangover. So let's just get All into right. it. So. Yeah. The Hangover, I think, really showcased Vegas as being a fun place to go, especially in the mid-2000s. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think there's been a really good movie made about Las Vegas since then. I can't mm. think of one off the top of my head that's been made. I mean, there was Last Vegas with um, uh, De Niro and all the old guys. I didn't see it. Yeah, so it's it's not that. But I think The Hangover was the last sort of hurrah of like sort of mid-2000s Las Vegas. Yeah. And what did you think? How do you think they used the city? Did, how Do you think they used the city well? In terms of using Caesars and all the bits and all that other yeah, good stuff. Kind of, sort of. I, I think it's it's more about the story than the setting that it's in. Right, yeah. Like, I mean, they tried to do it in the second one. They they basically redid the first one in a different setting. Yeah. It could have been Chicago. It could have been anywhere else. So, um, to me, The Hangover, all Vegas really is, is a backdrop. It's it's part yeah. of the story, but it's it's just a backdrop. Right, I think it really sort. Of, I think it actually really helped the city in terms of tourism. Oh yeah, because people will come and they try to throw like a hangover style bachelor bachelorette party. Yeah, um, and I think they got a they they kind of used in interesting spaces. So when I used to be a tour guide, we would pass the little the little white chapel, the yeah. one where um, uh, J Lo and Ben Affleck just got married at. I think Michael Jordan got married there Jordan too. Michael Jordan got married there too. Um, who else got married there? Somebody. Uh, Bruce My grandma Wilson got married there. She did. Yeah. Oh no way! In a Shout drive out Granny. Or in drive through or no? Um, I don't think she did the drive through. Mm, yeah, but they actually filmed that the the chapel scene across the street. So the chapel is actually in a space where there is a hostel. 
So if you ever go, it's right across from the Little White Chapel, and there's a hostel across the street, and that's actually the filming location for um, The Hangover. But anyways, just wanted to talk about The Hangover just because it's become sort of the quintessential Vegas film. Slot machines are everywhere, but you know they're always rotating. Yeah. If you had to say you were a member from The Hangover, which of the four members do you think you would be? Zach Galifianakis. What? Really, though? <laughs> yeah, a little awkward. Probably no one's <laughs> first choice to be riding in the car. Um I mean, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that's I think that's me. So so honestly, looks aside, I think you could have been uh I think you could have been uh, the what's his name? Bradley Cooper's character. Wow, I wish I looked like Just Bradley because Cooper. you're so calm under pressure. Not not always, but um sometimes I I, I appreciate that. I would also yeah. give you the the Bradley Cooper Thank character. Thank you more more so cuz I'm always freaking out. I don't think Because it's you're calm. so deadly handsome. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate that. <laughs> that's nice of you. So anyways, so we're get off of The Hangover, even though, very, very good movie, hilarious. Uh, I saw it three times in the theater. So anyway, so God. I'll move on to my uh, second favorite film, uh, which is kind of encapsulates what I thought Vegas was sort of when I was in high school, and that is the movie 21. So Yeah, yeah. good movie. So yeah, the movie 21, uh, for those who don't, uh, are not aware, it's actually based on a book called Bringing Down the House, and this movie is actually about the MIT card-cutting team that came to Las Vegas, and... Took Vegas for millions is what they like to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie's somewhat adapted. So going back to being how they adapted the films. So the bringing down the house actually takes place in the mid-90s. And this is very interesting because that would have been a perfect time to try to do this card counting team or this card counting system. Yeah. Uh, because the 90s is really the time when there was not a huge mob presence anymore in Las Vegas. It had really sort of gone away. It's still always kind of been there, but... Not how it used to be like in the movie Casino where they take you in back and break your hand. Yeah, that's so, not happening these no, days. No, not at all. So this was a time when that was, you know, you can do it. You weren't going to get hurt doing it, um, at least in Las Vegas. If you go other places, obviously very different. And the security wasn't up to, to standard as it is today with yeah. facial recognition and everything. So it's always important to note that that's how that was different than what was presented in the film. And also in the film, you get a lot of um, a lot of the players in the film were, were white mm-hmm. um, and in the book in the mid '90s, you wouldn't have seen that. You would have had a lot of Asian American mm-hmm. young, uh, young actors or young uh, students actually doing this because this was the thought at the time. This was said by one of the uh, the players that it was much more likely for somebody in their early 20s who was Asian to have hundreds of thousands of dollars coming to Las Vegas to gamble. Okay, and you wouldn't think that somebody who was college age and white to have any money to gamble in Las Vegas at that time. So that's one of the ways that they would get under the radar here in Las Vegas, but... I never thought about that. It makes sense. I, I was kind of frightened where you were going with that yeah, no, there no, for no, a second. Yeah. No. Like, hey, wait, I got to go, but... Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, was prom- I promised there was, a, there was a meaning to the end of that, but I just love the movie 21 of the, the, the sentimentality of what they mean by you could do, be whoever you want where you're from. They were from yeah. Boston. Nerds. And they would come to Vegas and they could be whoever they wanted. Yeah, and I've always fallen in love with the concept of that, and I try to try to do that when I go out. Because even though I may not have millions of dollars, if I can dress up and look good, then you can kind of get away with it. So, do you think the uh, the card counter is kind of a ripoff of Twenty One? So the thing was, is that I I don't think it is, um, but I just really didn't. I didn't even watch that movie. Why? To be honest. I liked it. I just it was too dark. I love Oscar Isaac. Tiffany Haddish is in it as well. But I just didn't give it the time to watch that movie. I mean, I saw the movie The Gambler, yeah. which was interesting. But I don't, I don't know if that takes place in Las Vegas. That play, that takes place in New York or L- think, L.A. Yeah. yeah, it's been a long time since but, I saw um, that. 
But no, I uh, I didn't watch Card Counter. Did you like Card Counter? I, I did. I thought it was weird to see Tiffany Haddish in a sort of kind of serious role. Like, she's yeah. still a little funny in it. But Oscar Isaac, my God, hell He's of an actor. Great actor. So coming from the movie side, I think Oscar Isaac is one of the top five best act- actors right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. He could do anything. And number one first class beard. He could wear anything. Yeah. Doesn't have a beard in the card counter. He does not. No, um, but he should always have a beard. But a, but a, a solid film. A solid yeah. film. No one agrees with me on that. Like anybody I've asked about that, like, ah, that movie sucked. Did you ever see the movie Heart Eight? No. It's, uh, what's his name? A Steven Soderbergh film. And um, it has... Uh, Young Philip Seymour Hoffman, and he plays a craps player. Uh, so yeah, that's that's in there. So just throwing that in there. But yeah, Heart Eight. It's about a old, like sort of old gambler that teach takes somebody under their wing to become him, basically, and how to okay. operate in Las Vegas. But it's on my list. Yeah, that's a that's a sidebar. But in the movie Twenty One, that was that came out. I remember I did a review when I was a kid, so two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Yeah. And I just love the way they f- capture Las Vegas. That's being sharp and colorful and bright and fun. And I just think they nail the tone on this is what it's like to really just forget who you are and then be who you really want to be in Las Vegas, whether it be spending money or gambling. Mm-hmm. And that made me love to gamble. By the way, people, the, the casinos loved that the movie 21 came out and explained what card counting was because then they say everybody who either read the book or watched the movie came to Vegas thinking that they knew how to card count and 98% of them didn't do it well at all. You got to be really, really good at math. Yes. And you got to have a really sharp memory. Yeah. Um, not many people can pull it off. The The only person I can think of, and I might get killed for even saying this right now, um, from what I've heard, Dana White of the UFC is a tremendous, tremendous card counter and wow. has been booted from like five or six casinos forever. Um, there's actually a video of him on the internet. You can find it where somebody from the Palms calls him and is like, Hey Dana, we love you. We want you to continue having your UFC parties here, but you can never gamble in our casino again. Yeah. And of course he just pulled the parties right out of the Palms. Um, and, and shout out Dana White, met him a couple of times. Solid dude. Yeah. That's what I've heard. He's not too bad. Good guy. So yeah, that was my, mine was 21. So we'll move off from that and we'll get to, to yours now, Ryan. All right. Wait, let's, let's, let's cue the music to Ryan's number one. Here we go. My heart is crying, crying. Okay, Ryan, what is your number one film that you? Enjoy, oh my you goodness! Uh, once again, with the greatest actor in all time, leaving Las Vegas, Nicolas Cage. There we go. It is heartbreaking and just tragic and beautiful, and I, I love everything about that movie, start to finish. Yeah, I rewatched it in anticipation for this pod today, and. It's really a great film. The, the last 20 minutes, really heartbreaking to watch, really hard. I actually kind of just did work and let, because I've seen the movie before, so I just let the last 15 minutes run. Yeah. Um, but it's, the last 15 minutes are so heartbreaking. But I, I love that film. Why, why, do you, why do you like that film? It's, it's a story that I think is probably played out in Vegas. Maybe not exactly like that with the alcoholic falling in love with the hooker. Um, but I think the story of everything is falling apart my life is over. I've lost my job. My wife has left me. I have no access to my children. And I got a tiny little bit of money. What am I going to do with the time that I have left? Well, I'm going to go to Vegas, and I'm going to blow it. And it's it's the story of a... Um, I don't know what he did in film in the movie. Was Ben a producer, a director? I'm not sure. Yeah, sh- so the, the writer was... Give me a second. Um, it's based on a book. So it's based on a book by a gentleman named... I can't remember right now. 
uh, John O'Brien. Okay. So John O'Brien wrote the uh, the novel Leaving Las Vegas, and then it. Be, this is sort of the movie aspect of it. So he wrote the book Leaving Las Vegas, and then he found out that it was going to be made into a film. It was going to be adapted. It was bought the mm-hmm. whole bit. And then two weeks after that, he committed suicide. Oh, my God. I did not know that. Yeah. So it was essentially his father had said this, that leaving Las Vegas was essentially his suicide note. Jesus. Um, That makes it even deeper. Yeah. It's it's quite crazy. He he didn't die the same way that they do in leaving Las Vegas, neither here nor there. Spoiler alert. Ben dies. Yeah, Ben dies. Sorry, guys. Sorry. It was in 95. You should know by now. You should. I mean, you kind of know what's going to happen when the movie starts, but... It, it it's it's a really um, distressing film for sure. I mean, Nicolas Cage gives a great performance. Elizabeth Shue was also fantastic in the amazing. film. Amazing, Julian Sands, amazing. Yeah, so oh, many. Yeah, he wasn't it. Yeah, absolutely wasn't. stunning in that film. He did a tremendous job. Um, for for those who don't know, let me just kind of give a little recap of what this film is. A guy in Hollywood works in the entertainment industry in the film industry, loses his job because he's an alcoholic. His wife has left him. His wife takes the kid. He's got nowhere to go. So what is he going to do? He's going to go to Las Vegas. And he literally says in the film, I'm going to go to Las Vegas and I'm going to drink myself to death. Yep. And in the process of doing that, he meets a prostitute and they fall madly in love with each other. And then there's the side story of the prostitute having this horrible, abusive pimp who's like literally cutting her up with a knife yeah. and things. It's it's incredibly dark. And what a horrible, horrible story. And him having to, <clears throat> excuse me, him having to accept the fact that she's a prostitute, her having to accept the fact that they're an alcoholic and trying to make it work. There couldn't be a more Vegas story. Yeah. And they're just like so perfect for each other, though, because they just love each other. But it's just so hard for him to 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 show that. Yeah. And he it hurts her that she loves him because he's she's there for him. Yeah. Kind of like an angel for him. Yeah. And and she's just needs somebody who kind of understands her and will, you know, do what do what has to be done. But I just think it's a great story of when two people just really need somebody at a certain point in their lives. Yeah. And it can be as as sort of out of the blue as a prostitute and an alcoholic. And I think when you cut through all that, which I think the film does really good that okay we understand he's an alcoholic we understand that she's a prostitute but really there's just two lonely people that really need Yeah and that's 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 a Vegas story yeah. um I've been here a long time and even though the Vegas Valley now has something like 2.3 million residents yeah. probably a lot higher with all the people that moved here in the past couple of years I have never met so many lonely people yeah. And I've never been as lonely as I have been here in this city. You're surrounded by other people that mm-hmm. can't even see you. Like, if you just walk down Fremont Street, do you even notice all the human suffering that you're stepping over? Yeah. No one does because, well, I got a chance to win millions, like mega bucks, and right. a buffet, and mm-hmm. that new show's on, and, and go, go, go. I got to get my three-foot margarita. You're invisible here. And that yeah. that's part of Vegas's appeal. You can come here and become something else, pretend to be something else, or just disappear into the crowd, yeah. and, and no one will notice. And that's what Ben and Sarah do in the movie. Especially Ben. He just yeah. he sinks into Vegas. And exactly. It, it He's just like, him. you know what? This is what's going to happen, and it's it's sort of inevitable. 
and I'm just going to do what makes me happy, which is drink at that particular point. But yeah. um, going back to your feeling alone here, this is just more of like a living in Vegas kind of thing. You get a lot of people that work in the hotel industry, which is a 24-hour business. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> sometimes you're working weird hours and you don't have time to hang out with people. You don't have time to make friends and do all that. So sometimes your your work friends or work uh, coworkers become your, your family. And that's what it was for me when I was a concierge because we worked so many weird hours. It's so hard to find people that are on the same sort of schedule. And really, those are the people that become your friends. It's it's not like a nine to five job you have in other cities where you're like, oh, well, you know, I'll have my outside of work friends and these people. It's just it's a hard town to be friends with. And it can be very lonely for sure. Very lonely. Um, yeah. And I I mean, I married a coworker. Yeah. Like, so, you know, what, what can you do? I, I, I felt what you said about being a concierge and those people becoming your family. Yeah. Um, Almost every friendship I've ever made in this city over 20-some years has been somebody I worked with. Yeah. They all started off in that and grew into something else. Uh, very hard to keep a friendship here. It um, is. People come and go. It's a transient town. Yeah. Um, a, a guy that you and I know um, said something to me once uh, earlier this year that, that will will stay with me forever. And, and shout out to Dakota, one of the smartest, yeah. most talented short filmmakers I've ever met. This kid's going to be big one day. Great. Films by Dakota. Check him out on, t- on the talk. Absolutely. Um, check him out. Um, he told me that um, everyone in Vegas is always trying to level up. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're already in a position of whatever you're trying to be. You're always trying to get somewhere higher. And that that's vegas it is um they don't have time for friendships and relationships because they're trying to become something else yeah and when they become that thing that may very well take them right out of town Um, exactly i've had dear friendships that lasted for a year or two and hey man i'm moving to san francisco for this job and then i never hear from them again yeah and and life happens and it just that it's just this constant cycle people in and out the place where you and I work together i mean i've only been there for 2 years and there's people i really grew to love and they're gone and i have no idea yeah. where they are yeah it just ha- and it just happens that way but yeah going back to to that it's just very ge- very this is a very generalization idea of you know leveling up is that i feel like men always want a hotter woman yeah and, th- and this is obviously generalizations and then women just want guys who make more money and again it's yeah. it's a generalization for sure but You've seen it so many times in the, in this particular city where it's just, that's kind of how it is, and it's it's not really good for building relationships. No, it's also not good for like mental health. No, um, not at all. There's sure a lot was, of yeah. there's a lot of depression and sadness, and and I know we're here to talk about movies and and yeah. leaving Las Vegas encapsulate that. It, it 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 captures it perfectly. It really does. Ben has no other support system other than Sarah. Yeah. And at any moment, the world could take Sarah away from him. She's in a horrible situation with that abusive pimp. She could be gone. Um, and, and that happens to locals here all the time. Your support system, your your social circle, at any second could just be gone. Yeah, and, and, and it can be really deadly sometimes when you, when you are really leaning on that one person that is there to listen to you and, and you know, vice versa. And it's, it's something as, as easy as this is that he he needs her and she needs him and that's that's the thing so yeah leaving las vegas great film so great film and the academy agreed nicholas cage won the oscar for it nicholas cage's oscar exactly um i wanted to figure out who uh, elizabeth shu lost to it was somebody really good that year but man she did such a good job and then i believe uh nicholas cage did follow around um people who were alcoholics 
Oh yeah. And then I think he might have been. Um, he I think he might have said this that he was very method, so he did drink um, a lot during the film as well. Yeah, I, I um, I'm an obsessive fan of Nicolas Cage, yeah. as you know. Shout out Conair. That one should have been on the list. <laughs> should have been on the list. I, I just want to say this. Um, one of the reasons I love Nicolas Cage so much is Cage is not really his last name. You know his last name. Coppola. Exactly. He's a freaking Coppola. Yeah. And here's a guy who's like, you know what? I'm gonna do it my way, and I'm gonna change my name. So people respect me for my talent and skill. Right. Does he have talent and skill? Of course he does. He's the greatest actor in history. So this is the Coppola effect. So can you tell me another <laughs> member of the Coppola family that doesn't use the last name Coppola, but a pretty mm. big actor in like the history of Ooh, I'm acting. about to learn something. I have no idea who you're talking about. She was in Rocky, and she was in Godfather Part 1, Part 2, and Part 3. Talia Shire. She no is, kidding. She is the sister of uh, Francis Ford Coppola. So she kind of did the same thing, but again, she she worked on a film that had Coppola in it, so that kind of doesn't count because right she kind of just like, oh, I'm like brother, throw me apart. Yeah. Um, but she did a good job with it. But anyways, so Leaving Las Vegas, great film, highly recommend, especially on a very gloomy day like today was, and yeah. just matched up perfectly. But great representation of Vegas in the mid '90s, but not a happy Vegas, not Vegas vacation. No, it was very much the other side. Like I thought this movie was made like in the '80s because this movie felt so dark. Very grainy, the film. And other little things about this movie was that it was shot guerrilla style. So they didn't have permits to shoot on the strip. No so kidding. So there's a scene in the movie a couple of times where they're in front of the Bally's Hotel. So essentially where uh, the dunes would have been. Mm-hmm. and Well, across the street. Yeah, across the street. Yeah. yeah. So, so they're filming across the street. And you can see Bally's um, in the frame. So yes, across the street. And they didn't have a permit to do that. They basically just drove up with a car. And then they put like... A bu- there was a bus stop there, and then they just sat Nicolas Cage on the bus a bus stop. They did the scene and had to roll out, so they wouldn't no get kidding. fined. Yeah, but that was uh, they had to do those quickly. But I just think Elizabeth Shue as a, as a prostitute in that film really did such a good job. By the way, prostitutes no longer walk the strip anymore. They hang out at all the bars. FYI. Yeah. So uh, that's the that's the hangout. So like, hey, if you if you look like me and you can see what I look like on Instagram, Ryan from 1981. If you're chilling at a bar in the Bellagio and some smoking hot dime piece comes up and is flirting with you that's chances are yeah chances are if you're not the one who started the conversation yeah they yeah. The, those girls exist and um yeah yeah i'll, I'll stop talking about sure. prostitutes yeah so but yeah we're, well, i'm not saying this is true but this is what i've heard that um top three spots to find a prostitute in las vegas oh can i guess yeah go, go ahead try i'm gonna say bellagio caesars yes and circa Circa, you could you get a very different uh, different level of class at Circa, definitely because that's downtown. It's the gem of downtown. It's the gem though. of downtown. But yeah, Bellagio is one of them um, near the Baccarat Bar, just because okay. they, they know where the money is. Um, Caesar's Palace, a couple different places there. They have a they had a what's that? Um, her, her boobs are out. What is the it? Barge, the Cleopatra's? Barge, Cleopatra's Barge is very yeah. popular. And I also found out these other two places, uh, the Chandelier Bar, is one oh. place. I I heard through the grapevine that. It, if you're a woman by yourself, they make you order a drink. It's a one drink minimum if you're a girl sitting by yourself. No kidding. Which is, I don't know if that's true or not, but I think it's kind of one of those things where like the bartender kind of knows. Yeah. Um, and then also, I found this out, which I thought was weird. At Waldorf Astoria, they have the Sky Bar. It's a very ah, small bar. That makes sense. Super expensive. Exactly. Lots so of money. You might think, oh, this place is super expensive. Why would a hooker hang out here? Yeah. Well, it's because they're going after the money. Yeah, yeah. You know I mean, you, you put the, the real where all the fish are. 
That's yeah. basically how it works. So, Do you see that news story recently? Some girl stole a two hundred fifty thousand yes. dollar watch. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you put that in a safe? I'll just stay awake. Well, she might have given him something, you yeah, know, right. like, what are you going to do? Call the cops and say, hey, somebody stole this. <laughs> I remember watching a cops one time in the, uh, a TV show and the guy was like, yeah, yeah, she stole all my stuff. And or, or, no, the, the bigger one was, yeah, she didn't have sex with me because, you know, I paid her and she just like took my money. And the guy and the cop was like, you know, it's not legal. Right. And the guy just looked at him like flabbergasted yeah I, I think people also have this impression and, and maybe partially because of some of these films that a lot of these things in vegas just fly without question right they don't we actually have laws and rules and police and security <laughs> every, every once in a while yeah um yeah just don't mess with hookers that's right leave yeah. them alone just stay away from them yeah leave them alone just stay away okay so now it's time to get to my number one by the way you had one from leaving las vegas that you wanted to note a landmark that is there still um, and we were going to kind of do this, like the landmarks from movies that you yeah. can see in the film, but you can't see anymore. So go and let there, know. one that's that's still there, um, and I don't know how long it will be there. I don't think the hotel's going anywhere. Is is the giant neon sign in front of the flamingo? Yeah. There's a scene where Ben is sitting basically behind it, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's heavily featured in in that movie and pretty much every other Vegas movie since that sign has gone up. Yeah. Um, that's something you can still see and, yeah. and definitely should. Stop. Take a picture of it. Stand yeah. over at Caesars. Get a good shot. Flamingo sign is most iconic sign in Vegas. Yeah. One of the most iconic signs in Las Vegas. Obviously, there's one that says Las Vegas on it. That's probably pretty iconic. Yeah, that it's, one's... It's the logo of this podcast, if you didn't know. Um, but anyway, so the other one that I found interesting in that film, especially now because sort of how things are changing, is the Bally sign. So, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, so to the scene I was talking about earlier, you can see the Bally sign and sort of like the the like twisty sort of top that yeah. pops out of it. Uh, now now you're not going to be able to see it because now it's the uh, horseshoe, so the rebranding. They took out the Bally sign. So that's one way to still see the Bally sign uh, yeah. here in Vegas. So definitely good good choice. So time to get to mine. Okay. I, I feel like mine's kind of a basic choice, but I really enjoy it. This is what made me love Las Vegas. It was the first time I saw Vegas and said, you know what? That's the Vegas I want to be a part of. And that was the movie Ocean's Eleven. Uh, the the one with George Clooney. Okay, I was obviously. just going to ask. The original yeah, or not, the, yeah, the Clooney the version? The, other, the original, they're just kind of hanging out. It's Frank Dean and Sammy and all the Bishop, all the other guys. Yeah. But I really enjoy Ocean's Eleven. I think to me that's quintessential Vegas when Vegas said, you know what? We've arrived. We're going to be yeah. the place for all of these just people with extra money and just class. We're going to class it up. We're going to throw it back to the 60s. And really, I feel like Ocean's Eleven is a throwback to the 60s, but made for the new millennium. Uh, I believe it yeah, came out 2001. Okay. And that movie was 2001, and they filmed, I believe, in 2000. That would have been only two years after the Bellagio had opened in 1998. In a very, very big opening, it yeah. was. We we talked about that a little bit in the previous podcast, which you should absolutely go back and listen to. Yes. Um, it was the first billion-dollar casino yeah, in Las Vegas. $1.2 billion to build that thing, and just yeah. gorgeous inside and out, and beautifully maintained. It shows its age like nothing. Like it's, yeah. It looks brand new to this day. And it's, it's, it's just such a classic hotel, and, and this is one of the things where it could have been you know dated, but they've renovated the especially the casino and i just love walking through there so i hate that that's my hotel that i like to go to i was there yeah. a couple nights ago i went to may for a supper club and it just feels class in there it's just like you're walking through it obviously has lots of tourists because they go and see the botanical gardens and stuff but 
what I love about the movie Ocean's Eleven is it just feels so authentic to what a casino is. Because I think that's the biggest problem with some casinos is that they feel so um, made up. Like, yeah. the, like the show Las Vegas. You remember that show? Yeah, um, with it was Nikki filmed, Cox yeah, and yeah, yeah. Jay Moore. Yeah, J- James Caan was in it as well. Yeah. But it's just... Uh, they filmed it at Mandalay Bay for, for I think the first two seasons, and then it became a, a, stu- a soundstage. But you can just walk through the Bellagio and say this was a real. Ca-. Watch the movie. You say this was where they filmed it. This yeah. was a real casino, and you just feel like you're in it. So I I love it. Um, they do also you know show parts of the Mirage, which is going to now be the Hard Rock. Yeah, here soon. Uh, yep, it's coming up. And um, I don't know. I just really enjoy that movie. Just sort of the way it bops along, kind of just going through sort of like the, the textures is just amazing. The way they dress is so classy. Yeah. Like in that movie, they have sort of like these big overcoats. And I just think, I never see people in overcoats anymore. Especially in Vegas, because who would do that? No, but, they, they, they wouldn't. Um, it's, it's a little too hot for that in the summertime. Yeah, so, but yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it, it showcased Bellagio. And like you said, it, it kind of brought back this 60s glamour era. Yeah. Um, you walk in Bellagio and you feel like you're rich. Exactly. So so true. Um, And if you're dressed right, it feels like you're in the right place. And that doesn't really apply to any of the others. No. It really doesn't. Even the fancy ones in City Center, walk in the Cosmo, it's all young people in bathing suits, Mm -hmm. and you're going to see butt cheeks everywhere. Yeah. You walk in the Bellagio, and you're going to see a lot of Rolexes and fancy suits, and there's a bunch of Ferraris in the driveway. Like it, Steve Wynn was on to something with that. Yeah. Steve Wynn knew what he was doing. Um, Beautiful property, and I think when they opened it, it was twenty-one and over. You had to be twenty-one and over to go through it. I know they had no strollers. Yeah, that was the thing. No, strollers yeah, no strollers, and that that made a lot of people grumpy because we were still in that family-friendly yeah. era, and it was kind of a middle finger to exactly. you know the the folks bringing their kids. Well, this one's for the adults, mm-hmm. and this one's for the adults that brought a few more bucks. Yeah, there's no ninety-nine cent shrimp cocktail here. No, and I think I, I want to do this on a different pod where we talk about we talked about this like off air like sort of uh, a different time. We were talking about what had the best name, what had the best you know, what would you name your hotel? Yeah, but we'll do this a different time. But okay. I think you definitely touched on it that even now I think we're it opened ninety eight and it's two thousand twenty two. So however many years, it's almost almost twenty years now. Ninety eight. Uh, yeah, getting yeah, so, close. Yeah, getting close to sort of that time and. It still has such class when you walk inside of it. By the way, they just redid their uh, High Limit, which smelled delicious. I, I can't um, afford to step in there, but yeah, I like walking by. Yeah, I walked into it, and I was like, okay, I'm going to come back because I had had a couple whiskeys already. So anyways, my mine was Ocean's Eleven. It was my favorite movie about Las Vegas. There's so many, but let's. I'm going to tell you, we're going to both kind of talk about this sort of, uh, not relic, but this landmark that is no longer here from the movie. So okay. if you've ever watched the movie, they're kind of explaining who Terry Benedict is and what he's all about. And then they sort of introduce Julia Roberts, and she comes down a red staircase. Yeah, and iconic. As she comes down, it's just such a beautiful staircase. It's it was in the casino, and if you come back, you cannot find it anywhere. And uh, Ryan, where where was the staircase? That was right in the now? flower garden, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. So it's in the flower garden where the spa currently sits. Ah, that's what's there now. Yeah, so um, I actually heard a story. This is the sort of the story about why it's not there anymore. So uh, Steve Wynn used to own the Bellagio, as we noted earlier, and then he sold it to, uh, well, it was actually like a hostile takeover that MGM did of um, his resorts, uh, including the Bellagio. So I believe it was Bellagio, Mirage, and... uh, Treasure Treasure Island. Island. Yeah. Yeah. So he sold all three of those properties They ended up going to, I mean, he hit sort of sold them yeah. um, to, to MGM. So 
the idea was is that the person who owned MGM did not like Steve Wynn. And okay. a way for them to erase Steve Wynn from the property, they took out the staircase that led to his favorite part of the property, which was the art gallery, where he had a lot of his Picasso oh, paintings held. That's so right. I that forgot was, about the art gallery. Yeah, so that was a way of them erasing Steve Wynn from the property. Even though, you know, his thumbprint is on the entire place. His thumbprint's on the entire city. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they're going to erase him. Um, I, I suspect that they will. I think they're going to try to, yeah. It's, um, it's, it's really There's a street named after him already, though. Th- there is, and there has been for a long time. Um, I think the only way the name and the legacy will survive is because of his ex-wife, Elaine yeah. Wynn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elaine Wynn, wonderful woman. She does a ton of things for the community. Yeah. One of the richest women on earth, probably. Yeah. Um, and, and did a mighty fine job taking over when, when her ex-husband got pushed out. Yeah. Um, so she deserves respect, but her ex-husband, I mean, how do you, how do you wrap your head around that? This guy reinvented Las Vegas. Bellagio, for God's sakes. He saved Las Vegas. He did. Um, and, and long before he saved the strip, he saved downtown too. You know, his first venture was the golden nugget. And he brought Frank Sinatra in that really brought a lot of people to downtown again. Yeah. Like really made the golden nugget a classy, beautiful place. And until Circa got there, the golden nugget was the place to be. Oh yeah. And golden nuggets still a fantastic property. It is. And I I used to tell people in the tour all the time before Circa was built, I was like, you know what? Every place downtown, you can get like a ten, you know, find five ten dollar blackjack and craps or whatever. But you know, Golden Nugget, it's kind of like the jewel of downtown. And yeah. I used to say that, and I think it still is a really nice property. Absolutely. But I mean, Circa's just taken over. To me, Circa's like the cosmopolitan of downtown. Yeah. It's hip. It's modern. It's where the young people go, and you know, middle aged to older folks as well, of course, because of sports book and that kind of thing. But um, it really has done a lot for downtown. Exactly. Yeah. But I feel like the Golden Nugget is. It's more of like the mature crowd. People sort of know the name, Nugget, the Golden Nugget, and yeah. God, and I saw Tony Bennett sing there. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. what a great show. Yeah. Um, hey, we're, we're drifting we're here. We're drifting. Yeah, we're getting onto the <laughs> Sorry, thing. Sorry, folks. Sorry. But yeah, no. Yeah, the, the the staircase is definitely one of the things that I remember of Las Vegas that uh, you can't see anymore, unfortunately. You can't. So, what was your other uh, your other uh, landmark that you wanted to talk about before? We um. Move on? All right, I I got two from one movie. Um, honorable mention. Uh, Con Air. Yet again, Nicolas Cage, recurring theme here. Um, the Hard Rock Guitar. When when the airplane wing hits it, clips the top of the guitar off, and manages to continue flying miraculously, <laughs> um, the Hard Rock Guitar survives. It's it's at the Neon Museum. You can see it. It's yeah. no longer in the position that it was. Um, if you're looking for where that was, that was a corner of, I think, Harmon and Paradise. Yeah, you got it. Um, and is now the Virgin Um I'll, I'll, I'll keep you. my opinions of Virgin to myself. Yeah. Um, and then the other one from Con Air is the Sands itself. It yeah. was the big final goodbye to the Sands. The airplane lands and it slides right into Valet. And you get this shot of this tower and you get to see what the Sands was. All right, everyone. So that was our first part of our movie pod, which uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking about one movie in particular, but I do want to thank Ryan for coming on. Oh, my pleasure, man. Good any, to be back. Any social you want to plug on this one? You can always follow me on Instagram at Ryan from 1981, and uh, since I know she's listening, hi, honey. Hi, Megan. Fantastic. Yeah. It's just so nice we have somebody <laughs> that actually loves you, you know? Just one. So, that was the first part. Thank you so much for listening to Contrast Confidential. I'm Brian Ortega, your host. Have a great rest of your day. Just say Say you will